Welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, the podcast dedicated to single-season sci-fi space westerns that were canceled before their time. Again, that's really not specifically what we're about, but that's what we've covered mostly, so we're going with it. Now, of course, I am Captain Boosgood, a.k.a. Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. your host, Jesse, and with me as always this week is my very longtime friend and co-host, Josh, head of the Twist My Arm Podcast Network. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing wonderful. Doing fantastic. I'm so excited for Friday night. I'm always really excited for Fridays. I said it last night on Quest Me. Thursdays and Friday nights are my favorite days of the week. Apparently, it's Treb's favorite day, too. I got to agree with your cat, I guess. Um, but you, primarily. Um, I, I agree with you. Fridays are definitely my favorite part of the week. Thursdays are equally cool here at the network. We'll get into that, I promise. And we have a lot to get into this week, actually, so let's just move right along. We wouldn't want this show to take too long, okay? So, what we're going to do <laughs> next is we're going to introduce you to a very good friend of ours. His name, of course, is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D, the podcast that features Ricky D talking about movies. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D, how's your week going, man? It's going pretty good. I just took a shower. I brushed up all my teeth. I got a candle going in the background. I'm in a good place to podcast right now. Got to be the first time ever, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very glad to hear that. Um, really quickly before we go any further, let's say hello, good evening, good morning, welcome to everyone in the live chat, welcome to everyone, ladies and gentlemen, and themperers out there listening in podcast land. We are so happy to have you all with us. I want to say hello to Rona and Callie D in the live chat. I want to say hello to Mal in the live chat. You folks are what keep us in the air when we ought to fall down. And we just, doing this show would be different if you weren't here. And I promise I'm going to expound on that. Now, before I do that, we do have one more person to introduce you to. This is a very good friend of ours. He has been a supporter of Sudden But Inevitable since basically the beginning. He is very talented craftsman and brown coat. Our very good friend, Steve, of the Cinecera Carpentry Shop. Steve, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. How are you doing, my friend? Try to time that better. It's been a good week. Good to be here. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are doing well, and we appreciate it. This is not your first appearance at uh, the network this week, is it, my friend? No, it is not. I got to, to chop, hop on a Quest Me last night on a whim, and it was a good time. I got to say, I watched 99% of that episode, and I agree. It was a good time. If you haven't checked out Quest Me and you don't know what Quest Me is, first of all, I don't believe you. Second of all, it's the podcast that Josh hosts where he talks about different Star Wars series. Josh, would you like to give us a quick peek into what's going on over at Quest Me right now? Yeah, man, we're talking about the Book of Boba Fett, and it has been the funnest season since the first season with you when we talked about Mandalorian Season 2, which kind of birthed Sudden But Inevitable, I suppose. Um, it's where uh, Ricky did his first podcast was in Mandalorian in that, that season. So Season 1 of Quest Me was uh, Ricky's first. We, we popped the podcast cherry, if you will. <laughs> I was there. I remember it. Yeah, I bet you do. Um, I knew you were going to say that. But for right now, uh, for all those things, you can just, if you search Quest Me on all of your uh, like podcast listening devices, you can uh, you can find it there. 
It's a good time. Some people use apps to listen to podcasts. Other people use desktop computers. You can, If you have a PlayStation or an Xbox, you can get the Spotify app and listen to us and our dulcet tones over your video gaming adventures. How much fun would that be? I don't know. I've never tried it. Just kidding. I totally have. I'm a narcissist. Now. I use my first ever Bluetooth device that linked up to a car that I got in 2021. Before that, I had a tape deck. So listening to podcasts was not really something that I did. So you guys were the, you guys broke you my... Didn't... You didn't have the little uh, the thing that you plug yeah, into the but, tape deck. That... But I, I, you know, when once the the phones eventually became, you know, no. The, well, that's no when you get the, the transmitter. That's when you get the like, you know, the, the but, FM. But how do you, it, it doesn't it doesn't charge. Oh, I didn't have a working radio either. <laughs> oh, oh, slow to upgrade is what you're saying. Yeah. So oh, I, I had a, I had gosh. an upgrade to something with a screen and a and a bluetooth and i was like well i guess i can listen to podcasts now also i can hear inside the vehicle because the windows all roll up now to steve's point if you like to listen to podcasts and you like i don't know say cowboy bebop or firefly or highlander or donnie darko or logan's run if any of the things that i'm saying are things that make you go hey i've enjoyed that before i'm cool then go check out our back catalog. I can actually see that a lot of you have been doing that lately, and it's really cool. I gotta say, we have had this just explosion of love and support in our downloads over the last couple of weeks, and I can't tell you guys how much it means to us. Now, really quickly, before we move into the show proper, I do have to address something, and it specifically has a lot to do with our live chat, which, again, I'm going to establish right here. The live chat, we love you, and we... We really could not do the show the way that the show gets done without you. And that's why we are so happy to have you with us every week. You guys really uh, are our base connection to our our listenership, right? You are the ones that let us know that there are people that care what we are talking about and what our show is about and, you know, how our weeks have gone, that kind of a thing. Now, I have a little bit of a of an announcement to make. Sudden But Inevitable has received its first non-five-star podcast review, my friends. Boo. Now, the cool <laughs> thing about this, and I think it's actually kind of funny, is that it's not a one-star review. It is a two-star review. And because we read our reviews on the air, we're, we're going to share this with you. And I, I have some thoughts to share with you when I'm done reading it. Please reserve your emotional outbursts because you will feel them. I have listened to all of the Firefly episodes and more than half of the Cowboy Bebop episodes. But I'm giving up on this podcast. The four hosts have a live chat during the recording of their show. However, even though they have thousands more podcast listeners than live chat participants, they constantly interrupt the show by greeting and saying goodbye to people entering and leaving the chat commenting on chat participants' comments, even commenting on conversations between chat participants. Subjecting podcast listeners to this for shows that are already far too long has broken my patience. It's too bad because the hosts often have interesting things to say. I'm just not willing to wait for live chat hellos and goodbyes to hear them. Well, Ked Deco via Apple Podcasts Canada in July. I'm sorry that it took me so long to get to your review. I don't, I'll be honest, read the Canadian podcast review charts very often. Now, a couple of points here. 
I I have to I just there's so many things to address, but let me just start with how did you get through that much of the show and hearing me go reach out to me at this Twitter handle and Instagram handle and email at any point and and talk to me like you didn't do any of that you but you did listen to most of our episodes and then you went you know what I've had it with these supportive people in the live chat I I'm not going to listen to a free product that by the way has no advertisements we've never asked you to check out Raycon or buy a mattress from a mail-in order company or sign up for our Patreon like the food only, order service we thing. don't we don't put our 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 content behind a paywall the only time we have ever even suggested you send us money we've offered merchandise in return like i don't know a, a, some kind of business right to be fair if we could extract money from people we would be doing that it's something we're building towards i mean it's it's a thing that takes time right and and <laughs> we need to have we need to have people support us to be able to have something like a store where we sell very cool t-shirts and so without our live chat there wouldn't be sudden but inevitable like what do you and 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 how did you again how did you get through that much of the show and and not just reach out to me now i'll be fair i still would have been like sorry i'm not going to implement your feedback at all because the other point here is that the show is for us okay it's this is a thing that we do to have fun together because we love each other and our friends we love that people are listening to the show and interacting with us and being supportive and sending us gifts in the mail and like live tweeting episodes and just being overall amazing and wonderful to us that is hugely cool and touching and heartwarming but on top of that you guys already have a great review from uh, sean connery pretend to be patrick stewart so you can't really <laughs> top that like and not every podcast can say that but with, with I don't all think of any that, podcast can say that but with all of that having been said it's like even if all of that wonderful stuff wasn't happening we would be doing this together because Josh and Ricky D and I have a blast doing this. And like, that's sort of the point of it is that we wanted to have a good time together. It, we just wanted to have some time to get away from real life for a couple of hours every week. Yeah. I admit they're long shows. Nobody ever said they were going to be short. I just, if you have feedback out there in podcast listening land, please go ahead send it to me directly at sudden, Butt. I may not implement it. I may ridicule you if I feel like it's like misplaced, but I got to say, I appreciate that you were polite enough to leave us two stars instead of one star, even though you've quit the podcast forever. And secondarily, thank whatever power you believe in that you were not here last week when basically the entire podcast was about the live chat. If you haven't, go back thirst and listen chat. to last four, week's four. episode. We have a thirst chat situation going on. It was nothing but fun. It was sort of a dream come true for us on the show. Many of the same people in our live chat that were here tonight were there. And I just, I got to say, I love you, Mal. I love you, Callie. I love you, Rona. I love Meg from our live chat last week. I love Roy. I love everybody who has ever been in our live chat. And dude. You're going to go leave a negative review on a free product that doesn't advertise anything to you? Like, come on. Fast forward. Fast but forward. It's not, even, it. it's not even negative. It's not even negative. The guy says the the hosts have interesting things to say. Like, you can, that's really nice. He's less angry as the, as the review goes <laughs> yeah, on, like, I think. 
Like but he's I, he's just upset that he's not in the live chat. And bro, you can be in the live chat 8 p.m. Me, be in the Mountain chat. Standard Time, 8:30 every Friday. Like you can be there and join let's the let, chat. <laughs> let's let Ricky D say his piece because I feel like he may have something predictable to say. My friend Ricky D, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say that what was his name? Kedko from Canada. Yeah. I I don't know if he's entirely off base. I would agree with a lot of what he's having to say. Breaking two hours for every episode we do? Are you kidding me? Maybe if we shut up and stop talking to live chat, we could wrap this up in a reasonable time. Ricky, I had a two hour commute every day this week. I was. I was Sounds like Ricky's about to send a friend phenomenal. request. <laughs> Tell me you don't listen to our show without telling me you don't listen to our show, Ricky D. Our last three, four episodes in a row have been sub two hours, my friend. I'm just Absolutely. throwing that, that out or there. Was that Ricky D leaving the review? Well, it's possible. That's that, I mean, oh, I didn't even think to about remember that. the name immediately, right? Now, here's the other thing. I I never said that none of nothing that anything in this review was untrue. I'm just saying these are all points that I don't feel are like a negative thing. Like they're thanking the people supporting them. What jerks? Like I don't want to listen to that. Okay, then don't. And they seem to have decided not to. So, I just it, it's one of those things where I'm like are you mad at us because we love the people that support us? Because that's absurd. I mean, come on. That the 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 Firefly Browncoat community wouldn't exist without that kind of love. So get over it. I appreciate the review. Kedco from Canada. I appreciate. Follow the me on Twitter at bestflixrickyd. He's not listening, Ricky. He's sitting yeah, quick. There's, there's, there's no. You're not. You're sp- you're speaking into the void, my friend. <laughs> Please follow me. The void that is Canada. Have you guys have you guys seen have you seen the meme of the the girl that's she's she's looking at the like I guess she's in a restaurant and there's a poster next to her of two people like having a conversation and she's like oh look I'm involved and it's it's uh, me listening to a podcast I don't feel that when I'm in the chat here I chime in and I get you know my my name pops up on the screen it's like oh good I'm actually like involved and then of course you know I've been a listener for less than I actually almost exactly a year and here I am you know. And we appreciate it, and we've gotten impossibly lucky in our listeners and friends. And it's like, I mean, I, like I said, it's a free product about TV shows. I it, the the urge to complain about that to me is really strange. I hope that Kedco's <laughs> day got better that day, and has had like consecutive good days since July, because that's a while. Well, so. he's he's Canadian, so the <laughs> second he sent it, he's like, "Oh, I feel better." Eh? Yeah. Yeah, I feel better and, and also Actually, worse. he probably said, oh, I feel bad, eh? Yeah. I, 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 ruined, I ruined their lives, eh? How do I yeah. unreview a podcast? We're, like, offending all the Canadian listeners we have left, which has got to be, what, four? Like, I don't I don't think he was a Canadian. He didn't say sorry at all during that review. Bears and moose yeah. can't listen to podcasts. <laughs> Canadians spell sorry with an A and a U, and it's sorry. It's, it's, that's what I've heard. I'm, sorry. I'm... <laughs> All right. It's okay. They have a lot of shit to talk about us, too. <laughs> Speaking of friends, though, guys, I, I guess my my news of the evening is that uh, I've got family moving to Colorado Springs, and they are they are quite sucks. close, so we'll be full, but I'll be visiting them. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, see? Yeah, we, can put a... the, we can put the extended SBI family in one zip code. That'll be a first time 
there is a first time for everything, and that would be the first time. Josh, Ricky, and I haven't actually even had a live episode of this show together yet. So We have not. That's interesting. There is a first time for everything. You guys, it's only been 16 minutes. I don't think that's that much time to waste on saying thank you to all the people that we love that we can't really enjoy the show the same way that we do it without. So I think we'll call that good. And Josh... I, mean, I just, I just want to say since... They're like. Uh, I don't mean it sucks that your family is moving to Colorado Springs. I mean Colorado Springs sucks. That's I I, I, I gathered what you said. I disagree because <laughs> that's the one place in Colorado that I've been and I loved it. So oh yes, there are uh, there are other places. <laughs> so we got pulled over twice there, and and the cops let us off both times. So. You see what I'm saying? But you got pulled over twice. You've <laughs> never been pulled over with Josh in the car. Josh, my friend, do you have? Our synopsis for this week's episode of Cowboy Bebop, which, if I'm not mistaken, is entitled Dogstar Swing. That is correct, sir. And I do. Jet needs cash to buy his daughter a birthday present. To get it, he and Spike track a potential bounty to a brothel. But Spike has his own agenda. Directed by Michael Cattleman. It was written by Christopher Yost and Sean Cummings and Carl Taro Greenfield. Yost, Christopher Yost. You know, if you said brothel, you could have ended that synopsis a lot sooner. I think it's Yoast. I think it is Yoast. I think it is Yoast. (laughs) Obviously, it stars John Cho, our uh, our main problem for the thirst chat. Main main man. (laughs) Our main man as well. Uh, Mustafa Shakur and Daniela. Did I say this last time? Daniela. Yeah, you did. It's it's Daniela. You did, and you probably will. So, (laughs) I mean, if you want, and this is not a criticism. Everybody knows who's in the show now, so it's okay. Just give us the credits of who wrote and directed. Still going to say it. Now I'm going to say it But I'm totally good with it because I feel like credit should always be given to this show so that we can hashtag save Cowboy Bebop and get hashtag more Bebop. I am seeing people canceling their Netflix, uh, and it's actually hitting the news. It's it's not a news item of, like, people are canceling because of Cowboy Bebop's cancellation, but it is hitting the news that Netflix is basically going, I don't think there's anybody left to subscribe to our service. In fact, people are canceling our service. And a lot of folks, Bebop fans amongst them, are positing that, hey, maybe if you stop canceling people's favorite shows, like, you know, 30 days into them, then they would keep your service. Just something to think about at Netflix. Yeah, that's right. I added it. It's an audio thing, so it doesn't. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But so, yeah. So this, this episode, we're trying to get the doll. I have seen... As a child of the 80s and 90s, I've seen a lot of sitcoms and movies, etc., where a plot revolves around somebody getting their hands on a toy. <laughs> and I know better than to expect that plot to end well for that get person. The, get the Turbo Man. That's my favorite. Jingle I all was going to bring that one up. Turbo Man. That's, yeah. yeah. It's that one. I mean, there was also the, for American Office fans, who my lovely wife alerts me I may have offended at some point in our recent broadcast Nerds. history, <laughs> uh, they they had an episode where they where they dealt with that. The office is not as funny as Parks and Rec. You're fine. I I, I think agree she with might that agree with that. And I think I think most people would agree with that. It's a different kind of funny. You know what? If you worked in a paper company, you probably thought Office was funnier than Parks and Rec. I think if you worked in an office, you thought it was funny. I just never have. Well, I really liked the movie Office Space, and when I saw that, I had never worked in an office. Um, Does anybody remember that Canadian's name? Because like, I'm just going to dedicate every digression to that Canadian from now on. (laughs) It's Ricky's best friend, Ricky. 
Kedco? Our friend our friend Rona says it couldn't have been Ricky D's review. He doesn't have a Canadian accent. But Rona, th- like making a Canadian iTunes account just to leave a review like that is totally the sort of thing that Ricky D would do. And, and I can like... type in a Canadian accent. I've practiced. <laughs> how do you how do you spell about? Uh A B O W T. And then he and then he puts the Okay, see, there there. See, it's not it's okay. I just You know I've, who doesn't yes. work in an office though? Uh, no one on Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> mm, th- well, there are scenes in an office at some point, yes. But uh, our friend Mal in the chat says that they didn't find the office funny until they had worked in an office. So it seems to be a, a, a fair point, Steve. Thank you for bringing it up. To car- carry on with that point, when I did see it, I tried the red wire prank on somebody. And unfortunately, I was in the service at the time. And so not, mm. only, not only were they concerned that someone had physically walked in to try and hack the hospital <laughs> network, I was I wasn't brought up on charges, but I was given a stern talking to by people with stars. And I was like, "Come on, man! Well, that was a red wire that led nowhere." Well, and I gotta say, I mean, considering that's not that bad, it's kind of a slap on the wrist, right? I mean, that's good. But yeah, so the office had the episode where there was the the I think it was like a unicorn doll or something that nobody could find, and Dwight hoarded them and princess unicorn. Yeah, so he like manipulated the market, etc. So to that point, this doll. If you guys will remember my tiny world building, this is made by the Montgomery Company. Yet another tie back to the Ellis Montgomery comment in the first episode, which I thought was just like, they're really trying to build this here. They really want us to make sure that we're paying attention to the fact that that company exists in this universe. Now, I got to say right up front, okay, so this episode is definitely a huge remix of the Stray Dog Strut episode of the original series, right? We've got... Hakeem, we've we're meeting Ayn for the first time. We've got some very cool kung fu going on. I, you guys know me. I'm probably number one on the list of reasons that this show can sometimes go over two hours. So what I'm gonna do is gonna attempt to implement some feedback, and I'm gonna say, Josh, what was your favorite part? of the remixed version of this episode. Like if you could pick one of the scenes from the anime that you thought was perfectly translated into this episode, what would you what would you pick? I think the the final scene with all the dogs around him and stuff. Like all the dogs around Hakeem. I I'm I'm just, I trying to remember though too cuz you did it was, that was I like the, almost I think 6 months ago. The fight scene on the roof. I yeah. feel like I remember a lot too. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um. Yeah, they didn't fight on a roof in the anime, but the fight itself is very similar to the fight that they had in the anime, where it was like they're very evenly matched. There is some definite respect between the two of them going on, where they're like, "Oh, this is a good fight. You know, I can, I can do this." There was definitely some. Uh, that I really kind of, I don't know what the word is for it. How, Josh, how did you feel about them having Hakeem be like, you know? I'm doing this for like a noble reason. Like I'm, I'm trying to get, or, or, you know, a semi, like a, a reason that he felt was noble. Like he's trying to get revenge on people that prized their pets over humans. I just right? think this guy has no friends and like is <laughs> just has nothing to do and has stewed over this whole thing for so long that he's like, you know what? I'm not going to kill the people, but I'm going to kill their dogs. But really I'm not going to kill their dogs because I'm, not a terrible person right like, <laughs> but that's what so i'm saying like, it just he, he just over i mean i feel like he he had this huge grand plan that then 
when it came down to it, he was like, I'm not actually going to do this. So I'm kind of screwed now. I have 25 dogs that I don't know what to do with. Like, he was just, he was a, he was a bad villain, I feel like. Just like a, a poor planned villain. <laughs> they, they made him into a cartoon villain more than a. Kind of, yeah. Well, because in, in the original, he just is like, we're told he's a henchman hired to go catch a dog, right? Like, that's all there is to it. I do. I did really like that That's Spike true. was like, they they're watching him on the security camera, right? And Jet goes, "I wish we had the audio." And Spike says something like, "He said the following like paragraph of stuff." <laughs> and it's like, you could read I, lips. <laughs> I like, well, but I like that they went to that length, right? He he wasn't just like he said, you know, "F you, I'm gonna kill you." It's like he specifically gives his entire plan right there, and he's like, "Oh." You got all of that from that, which I, I I really like. It adds to that pulpy feel of this whole thing for me where it's like, this is kind of 70s This episode, it the never came up. really feels, yeah. But, <laughs> does, but does, this, does him reading lips never come up again in the series, right? I don't believe so. But so it, it was just showing a skill that Spike had, and it wasn't some um, Chekhov's skill set. No, it was a, <laughs> I think that it was a... Um, Here's another reason for Jet to go. Hey, where are you from, man? Like, because, <laughs> like, you. This is not what you like. You shouldn't know this stuff, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And and I I like it because it does have it, it. It's not a thing that we know Spike to be able to do from the original series, right? But it's a thing that just kind of fits with something that Spike would be able to do, especially with his sensitivity to sleight of hand, his very, you know, uh, acute vision. Mm-hmm. Jet goes into the casino with him. He's like, your eyes are too good. Don't win too much money in here. So I think I think that fits really well as like an additional expansion on the Spike character without being something that they went, you know, this is this was always there. So we got to do it. And for me, I don't know about favorite villains in the original series because villain is a loose term but for me i really really antagonist, love favorite antagonist yeah, antagonist let's go with antagonist i appreciate that so i think hakim and asimov are two of my favorites in the whole series because they really just throw you into the world of bebop right it's like here's this ultra violent guy who has nothing to lose and he's just like insane and wanting to profit and He's pretty, you know, once you've seen the whole original series, you can tell that Asimov is like a truncated analogy for Spike, right? Like he's got a dark past. It's following him around. There's this woman. She gets him killed. Um, so there's there's some parallels there. And he's just a very compelling character to watch in his episode. And I think the same is true for Hakeem, especially in the original series, because he's physically a match for spike right he can hold his own in a fist fight with spike that's impressive he seems to be one step ahead of spike that's impressive as far as we know at that point in the original series turns out maybe being one or two steps ahead of spike and jet is not as impressive but it feels like it was in that episode now i i think my favorite part of this character is that they seem to have gone backwards with the plastic surgery from the original series i think in the original series he went from being like a straggly skinny string bean white guy to getting a facelift and all the reconstruction getting the afro having his skin color changed right and they address that here but they went the opposite direction they're like no that's what he looks like (laughs) 
and then his disguise is the scrawny string bean little white guy. Mm-hmm. Like, Actually, I was trying to figure that out today. Is the disguise the, the, the white guy? Yeah, because when he's at the gas pump, oh. the old lady goes, hey, you're that bad guy, when his face starts glitching out, which I was like, oh, did this lady watch Big Shots? Is she a big Big Shot fan? Like, <laughs> I didn't just... catch that. I watched this episode yeah. a bunch, too. Because I, I was assuming that the white guy was the was the Me was too. face. Oh, okay, so when they go to, and this is a thing that I think I missed on my first watch through, but on my subsequent 10 watch throughs, when when Spike is going, oh, if you had said brothel, uh, I could have planned this whole thing out, right? You need to go here. You need to go here. And what they're looking for is, and and what Jet is explaining, is this signal jammer that his buddy Doc Holliday built as when they were back, when they were all cops, right? Is he a doctor? So he goes, I can use this signal jammer at one of those brothels to piggyback on their face scramble signal because when you go into the brothel a bunch of the uh, employees are using face scramblers face changers right so they have like this signal for those there being outputted from the actual brothel so they go to the brothel they hit the face changer emp hoping to scramble everybody in town and send him running to where he got it which totally works because then he goes back to the bar and he's like hey this face scrambler is not working. What's going on? And she's like, geez, Hakeem, and just hang out. And then he turns around and Spike's got a gun in his face. We're jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit. But, Josh really? and Steve, I promise you, that was the plot point. That's, that's it was the hard first to pay 10 it. minutes of the episode. We're not really skipping ahead too far. <laughs> but it was hard to pay attention to that part because they were like at a brothel for the whole time <laughs> they were explaining it. And, and yeah, okay, so in my non-live tweeting of my experience of watching this episode again i noted hey uh dunkstar swing just puts the title card freaking 22 minutes into the episode like right that is very jazzy and it's very like uh it's we put two episodes and we got away with it like i didn't even notice that i hadn't seen a title card until it popped up and every time i'm like oh yeah it's not even part of this freaking thing yet so the dog star swing color first of all gorgeous i love the title cards i love how they look just like they looked back in the well, day that's one of my I, favorite things if i could get in on that just a little bit that title card right in the middle of the episode i think it's kind of indicative of the freedom that these huge motion picture companies are getting when they're making their movies through Netflix or Amazon or HBO or that kind of thing. Because if, if this was on uh, network TV, every single episode would be 44 minutes and 20 seconds. But some of these episodes are 37 minutes. Some of these episodes are a full hour and they aren't having to be shoved into this narrow time slot that we had on network television. And it just, it gives they can do whatever they want. Yeah, they it can gives put the crea- title card at the end if they want. Yeah, it gives creators creative abilities to not follow that very narrow uh, set, set of rules. So I think I really like that part of uh, all of the different shows that are on Netflix, HBO, all of the streaming platforms. They're able to do what they want, and they're a little less constrained by the rules. A great example of that is uh, Community. Uh, Community had their zingers and the credits and... Dan Harmon was limited to the length of the credits, like with Abed and Troy, Donde, Esta, De Biblio, Teca, like all those things mm-hmm. had to be within a certain amount of time. When they moved over to uh, RIP Yahoo Streaming, 
all his post-credit zingers could be almost as long as he wanted, which is why they started like they almost had their own subplots in those <laughs> posts. Yeah. Like the guy, the guy that bought the giant wristwatch because he, and that's why he needed the giant hand, and that just goes on. Like I'm watching this, like did did the next episode start? I'm I missed it. What happened? Well, and it is in this instance. It's so like it fits. I think because it's so jazzy, right? Because it's just yeah. like boom. Here's a freaking title card. It's been 22 minutes. You got 22 more minutes. Like, and I really feel like this episode is almost split right down the middle because, like, we get the whole introduction to Hakeem. We get the setup of all this tension. We need the doll. We need to find Hakeem, the face scrambler. All this stuff is going on. And then we also have this vicious thing going on. And it's totally separate. This, this episode does open. I got to say, I love the synthetic sushi company that the man owns this kiosk for that it's called Sinchi and the logo is like a fish and a DNA double helix is very, very cool design. Um, that's actually, that's one of my show notes is do you notice that his voice changes? That guy. Yeah. He, when oh. he, when he's, when he's being a sushi chef, he's next customer. Yes. And then when he's talking to, when spike breaks that wall, he goes, I'll talk to you in an hour. Yep. And he, yeah. the guy seems like just the word vicious on, on that piece of paper is enough to shake that guy. Because yeah. Spike's like, hey, I'm going to do some more stuff. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, dude, just just relax. I need a very high-powered sniper rifle. And Sushi Guy's like, oh, okay. that Yeah, that's that's fine. I thought I thought you were going to ask for something absurd. Or uh, I thought I was gonna, he was going to pull a gun out of his shirt. But at the right. same time, like I, I'm just laughing at like the sushi is fake. But... And he is adding that persona of like, I authentic Japanese. I'm it's sorry all for fake. everyone listening. But like, that's I'm, the point. Yeah. Like the point he, is that he's, he's doing being the fake. fake. Accent. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how you would attract the stupid tourist who's like just there for, you know, that's not how you attract the uh, underground criminal organizational, you know, guy who's like speaking in code. That's how you attract an actual customer who wants to buy fake sushi. So it also I, makes me wonder. It makes me wonder if people, as they leave Earth, like they lose their native Earth accents and develop different ones, and that's why he's like, "Hey, I'm authentic. I'm from Earth. I had, you know, I'm not gonna try and imitate it again because it's terrible." Well, and I but, don't know about. I just, I, I don't know really how accents work. I was actually thinking about that earlier today, um, but I, I don't know if it would be a. My guess would be that wherever people mostly came from, it would be some evolution of that, right? Like, so in Firefly, they have like the very heavily American accented Mandarin that they're speaking. Like, I feel like it might, it might, it may end up that way where it's like we're speaking Chinese, but we have this American accent. So I don't know. It, but it is a good point. Now, you know, let, let me help you, let me help you with it real quick. Uh, like, take a New Yorker accent, it's very. It's very fast-paced, and the southern accent is is rather like a slow drawl. It has to do with the weather. <laughs> if you're out, if you're out in the like, it just it, it kind of comes up is like you're out in the cold. You're gonna talk fast so you can leave sooner. You gotta get Whereas, out and exactly and move along. So it, it does have to do mostly with <laughs> the climate. I could see from, that. From what I can tell, I, that makes sense because it's a heavier climate down south as compared to in the east. Let's I mean, ask the people still... who I think maybe have accents. Rona, Callie, what do you guys think about? Where just talking exhausts you because it's like freaking humid and it's 190 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to sit on my porch any longer. 
what kind of weather gives people in Spain that uh, like lispy accent? I, uh, I can I can tell you the two, man. I, I, like, okay. <laughs> he's, he's, the places that I've been, I can tell you what, yeah. what, what causes it. Everywhere he's else, not an so. accentologist, Ricky. Jeez. I Ooh, thought he was a weatherologist and he was... No, he's pretty clearly whatever. making things up, I think. <laughs> so I think that my Aliens, favorite part... Ricky. My favorite part of the vicious story here in this episode is that he's like... I mean, the name, right? Okay, you can't say that he's being vicious but he's but he's learning the we're seeing him be vicious he kills all these blind deaf people that are cutting his drugs for him right he has his cronies shoot all these people down it's like it's kind of difficult to watch because you're like man they can't see or hear like just like just leave him alone like just move him to a different place and have him cut drugs like cowboy breaking bad bop at the at that point it's kind of it was ungood because i didn't like it because vicious in the cartoon or in the anime didn't do that. Like they didn't make the red eye. And also to, to Callie. Yes. Yeah. I know firsthand. You definitely have an accent. Well, it's <laughs> uh, her mother says that she has three, three. Yeah. Uh, it's, I feel like it's heavily implied in the original series that the red eye is controlled by the syndicate. By and the, that, you know, but by the um, syndicate, this was just a private thing that he was doing that the syndicate frowned upon. Like that's why, well, he or is it, or is it a side supply? He was doing it on the side. Yeah, so it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. he's like, I'm going to shut down this extra thing that I have going on so that they, you know, get off my case for a second and then I will kill everybody. So it's, it's you know, a, a one, two bullet point list sort of a thing. But it, it they contrast that specifically with him going and don't forget to get Julia's chocolates. They're the ones dusted with gold. Uh, I got to keep her happy got to keep the syndicate happy you got to do this that and the other thing it's like man your schedule is rough <laughs> you got you got a lot of stuff going on there i gotta go and, deal and some drugs at 8 8 a.m and then i gotta go kill about 12 people at noon and then i gotta go give chocolates to my woman yeah that's that, true that's quite the schedule <laughs> we have uh rona says i've never thought of climate affecting accents or language geography topology i've considered our friend huh. Nikki in the chat, hello Nikki, says it does. You have to learn to breathe and speak in the wind. That makes good sense. I wonder. That does make sense. So, okay. So, if you have an accent, Sweet please secrets. send us a voicemail <laughs> at twistmyarmpodcast at gmail dot com and tell us what you think the weather in your local area does to create your accent. <laughs> I think. This would be fun if we get more than one of them. We'll play them, and then we'll talk about them for a whole episode so that Kedco in Canada can get wrecked. Are the Colorado accents different because we're so high up? And it's, <laughs> that's why we're, we're kind of like, just dumb? Well, we're in the middle of everybody, so we kind of sound like we could be from everywhere, I think. That's like, true. depending on the word that we say, <laughs> we could be from different places. Don't, don't people that uh, visit you guys have elevation sickness? Uh, it depends, but yeah, a lot of people no. do. It Only the we weak people. We were born in the elevation, molded in molded it. Molded by it. <laughs> you did not see the elevation until you were a man. <laughs> we are from the mountains. <laughs> you know, Obama fell asleep during a debate once, I feel like, and he blamed it on eleva- <laughs> the elevation of Denver. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that party scene in Denver is pretty tight, too. <laughs> I was going to say, if he was in Colorado, I mean, so... Our friend Rona, who is Callie's mother, says, Callie, you are not a mutt. So you can take her word for that. <laughs> now, 
We have to know. we have to move through this episode of Cowboy Bebop or Ricky D will He's implode. gonna blow a gasket. He's over there just about to He's gonna like... knock his microphone down. He's gonna get <laughs> so mad. He's gonna go reopen the Kedco account and leave another review. I'm so, just an explosion of emotions. So <laughs> enraged. I'm so angry my family had to see me like this. <laughs> Lest we incur the wrath of Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. We can talk a little bit here about how Vicious seems to, I, I know that you have feelings on Vicious, Steve, so let me let you address those feelings because the up until this point, we have addressed Vicious and then mentioned your name, but you haven't been here to say anything about it, and I feel like that's almost unfair. So Josh, get ready to mute him. Steve, if you don't mind, I'm totally kidding. Steve, if you don't mind, share with us your feelings on Vicious in general, if you like, for the whole series. Okay, so... This is the episode where I started to actually turn. This is where this is where the hashtag not my vicious came from. Is uh more along the lines of when he was talking with Spike on the phone and and even his even his part when he said his little dialogue about put them up in a nice hotel, have them fed and we'll and keep them on the payroll. Like our OG vicious wouldn't didn't even say that many words in the original series. And I, I get where they're going with it. Like it's like you said, I think in your episode one, like Americans need a villain that's easy to hate. And they did create that and they created it well. But I would have loved to have seen the vicious that we know, the or or just not seen him at all and have the Montgomery's be the first season villain. Whatever. But we, we have him, he's here, we saw him. He, like his first episode, he had two minutes and he cut somebody's throat and said his one line of you will bleed tears of scarlet. I'm like, cool. And then he just started, they started down this path of vicious being. He child. turns into Draco Malfoy, doesn't he? He turns into Draco Malfoy with a little bit of Joffrey Baratheon. And I'm like, yeah. that's not what's supposed yeah. to be. If they had crammed all of that into blue crow, crow waltz and we, and, and we go from seeing splashes of cold vicious and then in the flashback like oh my god he's a punk ass little kid and uh, uh fearless betraying him is what caused that awesome but he's just like when he picks up the phone and mushy mushy fearless I'm like dude who are you again i digress you said villain that needs to be hated fine and granted, I, I think I think when we get when we get our season two, we are going to see as now Julia has slid into the vicious role. I think Julia is going to have that cold, slow speaking demeanor about her that we're that we were hoping that that vicious did throughout the series. Because think about it in the series, how many how many times does he actually speak in his three his four episodes? Right. But it's not a lot. You, but it's no. so so I'm so I'm going to ask you do you feel like this is the same problem that Star Wars had where when they went okay let's explain the mysterious part then it got I think it kind of goes along the lines of what uh Sinister was saying yesterday on on the Boba Fett with how in the original trilogy Boba Fett was so like mysterious he didn't say anything and now he's talking and and it's kind of a letdown you know and I and I'm I kind of I kind of agree with that on with the vicious thing because 
I mean, to me, and maybe it's just because you didn't see a lot of Vicious. I remember when we were doing the anime, and I, I think at least in three different episodes, I was like, I want more Vicious, and I want more of that story. Because you only see him a few times, I feel like. So you're, so you're but you don't feel I, like you got... What you want. I like this vicious. I really like this one from from you know the the live action, but I he just reminds me so much of Draco Malfoy and even some of the ways that he says things like when he yells fearless in this episode when he like gets shot or the window gets shot and he yells fearless. I'm like that's that's just that's just Malfoy grown up and instead of yelling that that's where i started that's where i started with this i I saw that and i'm like what did he just yell at the bullet in the window screen are you serious right now like he if he just sat there but that is an anime thing and with them doing you know the whole animated live action there's a lot of things that they do that to us to me especially is a little jarring because it's live action and i'm not used to that kind of thing but to casual or like most anime viewers, they would probably look at that and be like, oh, that's, you know, that's normal. It's like it's like the grunts. The grunts are very predominant in this show and you can hear them a lot. And like the captions even tell you a lot of the grunting, like more so than a lot of other shows that you watch, you know, and like. I feel like Spike even slurps his noodles a little bit in in this and like eats his peppers all loud and stuff just like they would in an anime. So I understand there's like translation there that that they're trying to stay true to to an anime feel but making it live action and I understand that. But maybe it's just the actor that I don't like. And his I, But delivery. I like the actor. No, I think it's a connotation thing cuz I haven't seen uh Harry Potter movie with Draco Malfoy in it. So like I like I don't have a oh that's who that is. Right? Joffrey like, from Game of Thrones, though you've seen that, right? But I think Joffrey is a really well acted character. Like Jack Gleason did a really good job making people hate Joffrey. That's the point of Joffrey and, is and Joffrey like, wasn't think, over the Alice ultimate Castle, sniveling Alice Castle's doing a good job whiny thing. And and right, and right, and I agree with you, Steve. But what I'm saying is like I for me there's no like oh it feels like this performance so I think that might be why it doesn't affect me because I like I think all the things about him that make him so hateable specifically the emoshi moshi like I it's like that made me want to hit you and I don't even know you like in and and you're an actor so like that's a that's impressive right now I'm now you're evoking emotions in me because I feel like I should hit you because that was very like oh so pretentious but it fits with that kind of you want to see this character get taken down for so many little reasons and then a lot of really big justifiable reasons i think that's what i like about it i don't i'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong i'm just saying i think that you and i have a different uh frame of reference for that because i for and sure. i promise you i'm not hating on harry potter i just didn't there was for some reason i missed a big chunk of those movies and and haven't remedied that and it's yet. it's just it's the blonde hair and the over the top thing i'm curious to know what ricky's opinion is on vicious Ricky hates things, so he must love it. <laughs> no, I I recognize that you guys are pointing out important differences, and his character is not exactly who he was in the first one. But he hasn't done anything that really has made me turn my nose up or question anything. It's just kind of a, and honestly, I didn't take in a lot of the vicious and uh, sorry, what's the other guy's name? Spike. Spike, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I didn't take in a lot of the vicious in the Spike storyline 
from the animated. It was so broken up and it was it would it showed up in the first two episodes, and then it disappeared for eight episodes, and then we got a little bit more. And it's more predominant in this show. So I'm really just I'm kind of seeing it as a totally different thing. So that's that's one thing I was when I said uh in my tweets that I was I wasn't hoping for a shot for shot remake. I'm glad they didn't do that. But I was hoping that they kept that. I was hoping they kept vicious kind of elsewhere because there could be a whole season here of of just jet trying to figure out who betrayed him and and spike trying to avoid the syndicate and the syndicate could still exist the syndicate has many things to do and throughout the series that doesn't require vicious to be there and if this had been driven by spike determined not to cross paths with the with the syndicate and then that's where the failure happens and that's what causes jet's daughter to be kidnapped and then they realize that fearless is alive like it could it could have just been so much more well paced and i think i think we got too much vicious i still i still have to say i'm gonna take issue with your language i don't think it should be considered you know better paced or well paced i think differently paced i think what you are looking for and what we were given may not be the same thing but i don't think that diminishes the quality of what we were given that having been said if i were to guess at at that point i would guess that they were attempting to give us a full season to get to really know and love and care about jet and spike in particular definitely Faye too Faye is a little sidelined in this episode it's a little, okay she has no scenes in this I, in this episode I know. I'm she's just, not in it i'm just saying she was placed in places she wasn't she didn't show up in other places where she did it's a remix i'm i'm good and, all the and, way yeah. through and i like but, that but i feel like they really wanted to get us invested in those three characters and then in the second season, we would have had, you guys, Mushroom Samba. I just, like, just Mushroom Samba. Like, that could be two episodes. I, that could be the whole second season. I would be happy. I mean, there's... Stupid, annoying frog. There's so much they could do. There's so many episodes left. There's still VT. There's still the the thing in the refrigerator slash freezer. There <laughs> are so many stories Lunatic Fringe. Left. That was the name of the song that I was thinking of yesterday, Josh. By the used... No, no, no. That like the oh. keyboards and sci-fi. Sorry, oh. context, context for those of you that weren't there. I'm pulling that. I'm pulling that for from this show to put in my show yesterday. Thank you. That's <laughs> that's easily our worst digression ever. Like time travel by a freaking mile. I gotta say, Ricky D, are you still in love with Steve now? Now are you still in love with Steve? No, I got whiplash from that. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was just throwing that out there. Wait, Ricky D could now. You can experience love. I didn't know you had love for me. Thanks, buddy. Mal, uh, uh, Callie says, Mal, I got confused with my nicknames the other day when I was introducing myself. So, yeah, forgetting the name Spike is fine. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Um, also, to be fair, to be fair, Ricky D isn't usually the one on our screen forgetting names. So, um, but sorry, Steve, to go back to my point, I feel like they were really getting us to invest into these three characters with with a with an arc with vicious right and then the second season would have been set up with we got to get our characters back together right we need to get spike and jet back on the same ship we need to figure out a safe place for anna to be going gren needs to be doing something there's a lot of bounties still to get there's a lot of reason that they could end up chasing you know bounties against each other that sort of a thing like 
I really feel like they were trying to give us our base here with season one, and then with season two, they would have expanded into more of not necessarily the world that we know, but they would have remixed everything we haven't seen remixed into the first season. And then by the time we got to season three, maybe it would be 100% original improvisational jazz. I don't know. Maybe it would have been. And granted, now now that if when we get our season two and our season three, when Vicious escapes from his prison in the steam room, right. wherever he is, in the boiler room, I think he will be the Vicious that we know and love. He's not going to want to talk to anybody. He hasn't spoken to anybody in so long. And he'll, he will be very monosyllabic and just, nope, I don't feel like talking to you. I'm cutting your eyes out. And I'm, I'm for it. I'm ready. It can be redeemed doesn't change how I feel about the current Vicious, but I don't blame Vicious for that. I blame writers catering to lazy Americans. But I feel like it's a thing that you're going to have to... I mean, like, you have to consider your audience. Like, you just have to do it. And and we have stated a hundred times, and I know you and I agree on this, Steve, there was no way for them to please everybody with this series. There would be people upset no matter what about one thing or the other. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. I apologize. Go ahead, Mike. Yes. Friend. If I can redeem myself a little bit, <laughs> I was kind of on a roll with the uh, syndicate names. So when I said vicious, I was trying to come up with fearless oh. is where I was going. So yeah. I should have pulled out Spike. That would have been easy. But I was kind of on those syndicate code names. And fearless was the name I forgot, not Spike. So if I could try and redeem myself. I, I didn't think you forgot Spike. He just, we said that and it was just funny. Give me a thumbs up in the chat if you feel Ricky D is redeemed. We we like to incorporate our live chat into our podcast. You may have heard, actually, that that's a thing we do here. So if you feel Ricky D is redeemed, Careful. give me a thumbs up in the live chat. Give me a thumbs down if you feel Ricky D is irredeemable, in which case we'll boot you from the live chat. I'm just kidding. We just Oh, but, look, Ricky D commented. Thumbs up. But Ricky D from from Best Flicks with Ricky D is a vital part of our show, and it just wouldn't be the same without him. Just like our live chat. Now, and I should I should redeem myself by saying that I'm not mad that Vicious wasn't exactly like he was in the anime. I'm just mad that Vicious is a spoiled brat. Like this yes. is it just doesn't make sense to me. And I should clarify that I'm not trying to convince anybody that this is perfect. I'm just very argumentative by nature. Oh, no, so it's totally perfect. So so, so when Steve and I have a disagreement and a friendly argument about it, it's just us expressing our love for one another. You know, to that point, really quick, Steve, thanks again for the, for the painting on my wall, man. I got to say, I really, really dig this painting of the swordfish on my wall. I, I love having that here. Um, there are additional videos coming from Sudden But Inevitable. We had a second uh, gift box drop to us, and life has just been so hectic here at the show that getting that video out is gonna has taken some time. It's been shot. It just needs to be cut into digestible pieces because I wouldn't want to keep you guys around for, like, I don't know, say two hours plus. I mean, that would just be insane, right? And 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 There won't I'm be a live chat, though, so you don't have to worry about that. I definitely wouldn't <laughs> thank you for it. That's for sure. So and remember, and Josh's Jesse Jesse's many of these that I paint, you will always have the first. And that's that's kind of the coolest thing about it is that I can point to it and I can be like, go to the link. Oh, by the way, go to the link in the show notes if you would like to buy something like the art on the wall behind me. Oh, there's a cat Sorry. on the screen, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's okay. It's just I'm allergic to cats in real life, and I feel like I just got a little bit tingly, um, like psychosomatic tingling, <laughs> from, uh, placebo tingling, from just from seeing a cat. <laughs> yeah, it's I. You, you guys know, are a hundred miles apart. Sometimes nah, things it's like happen. 80. It's, it's no, yeah, it, not that far. Steve, 
Josh and I are only a foot apart in our hearts. <laughs> I, I I couldn't I couldn't do it with a straight face. I'm really sorry. I tried. I was like, I, if I grin too much, people will know I'm. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, because the the two hour commute that I was telling you about today was only sixty miles. It's just Los Angeles sixty miles, so it's ugh. forever. Ugh. That cannot be. I oh my gosh, you guys, we have to highlight this comment from our friend Angelus in the chat. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I agree and disagree with Jesse. You do have to consider your audience, but at the same time, there are examples of adaptations done right. And I will point out, Angelus, I feel Cowboy Bebop is one of those examples. I know that you, my friend, are going to point out uh, Alita Battle Angel, which again I have still yet to see, but am willing to check out. We are in the process of figuring out the easiest way for us all to do that together as a sudden but inevitable family. Now, my friends, the plot of this episode is pretty... I mean, we basically got it, right? Jet's trying to get the doll. They make the money in a couple of different ways. Ends up not being enough money. um, And he gets the doll, but then they have to go after the bounty. Jet loses the doll. I, I feel like I should just ask you guys, let's start with Josh. Josh, is there anything that you feel like you want to be the first person to talk about before we move into the second half of Sudden But Inevitable? Yes, uh, Julia visiting um, the other lady. I, I always forget her name. And Anna. Anna, thank you. And kind of getting the suspicions of, you know, fearless being alive and like... This is kind of the first time that you see the reaction of Julia, you know, and and how she's kind of gonna gonna handle things. Um, and then I feel like this is the first time that, to further Steve's point from earlier, talking about Vicious being in the boiler room later, um, like this is the first little seed that's planted into Julia's head when she's talking to Anna, and Anna's like. Anna says to to Julia, you know, you you can be a leader or something along those lines. And I feel like that this is the first time that, like, Julia starts really thinking about the fact that, oh, yeah, I could I could do this. The new uh, Julia Cohn agency, right, that our friend Phil had mentioned in the prior episode. Julia has, like, thoughts and plans and feelings and motivations now and reacts to things, not the way that she did in the anime when she was... Uh, to be totally fair in the anime to be fair yeah she well but she was she was more of a concept right she was just this ethereal being that existed as an idea of perfection for spike and it and it was like you know we we didn't get much with her outside of those flashbacks and then of course the one episode which I gotta say, you know, spoiler alert before we get there, I love the remix version of what they did with Julia in this series all the way through, but particularly like the Brain Scratch style episode was blah, blah, and crazy, crazy. Yes, yes, and I'm we, excited to talk about that episode. In a few we could have had just that. We'll that would have been, <laughs> been enough Julia. Oh, I and I don't disagree <laughs> with that, personally. I don't disagree with that, but I also am like pretty chuffed with the uh, idea to expand Julia the way that she was and to give her the kinds of motivations and decision-making moments that she has in the series because I feel like it does make her a better character and arguably a more realistic character. Now, is realistic a bar that I want for every character in live-action Cowboy Bebop? Maybe not, but I like what they did with Julia personally. That's just me. Uh, Josh, did you have anything else before we ask our friend Ricky what he would like to discuss? No, are we going into segments? 
No, 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 no. Oh, okay, we're not okay. going into segments. Second half just... of the episode. Okay, okay. Right, I was like, sure dang. That, I'm making sure that I haven't jumped past anything that you guys are like. We have to do this. So, Ricky D. I, I think I'm good. My friend, have you got anything that you feel that we must speak on? <clears throat> uh, well, there was one thing that I was kind of confused by, so I wanted to bring it up and see if anybody could enlighten me a little bit. But the syndicate is making sushi. Uh, that seemed to be like a big plot line. There were all those dead tuna. And then Spike also got his insider information from a guy that was selling sushi. Yeah. But I don't really understand the I tie. I think it's a front. Which we. Yeah. You know, so... That. Okay. So it's just they, their front to the community is they're creating sushi, that kind of thing. But in the upper echelons in the background, they're making the red syndicate. eye with a bunch of naked people with their eyes sewn shut. Well, they're okay. <laughs> they're probably in a lot of industries, right? They they probably have mm-hmm. businesses in all kinds of industries, but legal yes, or illegal, right? And in particular, so this is the way that um, Anna gets a hold of Spike from the episode prior. He goes, "Do I have you know? If if I get a hold of you, should I go the old way?" And Spike goes, "Yeah, that's fine." And then at the beginning of this episode, we see him go up and he gets the little message out of the chopsticks, right? And that's what Steve was actually mentioning earlier, where the sushi is fake. The guy selling the sushi is fake. The sushi business is likely fake as a front sort of a thing. Uh, But it is Mm -hmm. specifically synthetic sushi. Uh, But yeah, so there was, I feel like it was just another, like Josh was saying, is a layer of fronted businesses for, for, you know, space money laundering. One step further, I feel like if you're already synthesizing fish in the same facility, you could be synthesizing a drug that you shoot into your eyeball. Well, and maybe that comes from like a fish gland of some kind. We don't know. I mean, like it doesn't even have to be that. It could just be like the facility is required to do so. so oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, like it yeah. could be you need a place with a lot of refrigeration. And oh mm-hmm. man, I gotta say, I do love the walk-in freezer here. Like when they are going through, and I think this is the second time we've seen them in this room. But when they're walking through the walk-in freezer, and he's saying, "Don't forget to get the gold-dusted chocolates." The swirling pattern of the fog behind them. Yeah, on the ground. Uh, it's so cinematic. I almost thought that was like added in because it, it was so well done. But if you look at it, it's like it just I think that was shot practically. And Trivia. Do you know what film was that won an award for first showing that as a practical effect? The fog? Question mark? Correct. No, no, no. Oh, no, the, 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 no, the, the, the fog itself. Oh, not it's the movie. The, the only, Fog. It's the only award that this film won, aside from probably a Razzie. Not the movie The Fog. No. No. Oh, the Mist. <laughs> I'm out of guesses. <laughs> think, think of what's the when I when I think when I say Razzie, what's the first film that comes to your mind that won the Razzie for worst picture of all time? The the Oh Hey Mark movie. Uh, Human Centipede. Oh, The Room or. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Jesse. Snakes on a plane, rubber. No, uh, Batman and Robin. Wild Wild West. Oh, yeah. Batman and Robin is is yeah. I mean, oh my invent, god, they, really? They That's invented funny. they invented that practical effect for Mister Freeze, and they won an award for it. Oh of wow! Angelus in our chat with an excellent guest, Dragon Ball Evolution. I think that might actually be the answer. Uh, they had so long to do a Dragon Ball movie and they still screwed it up. I just can't. Yes. And that's, and there are a lot, again, I will point to that as one of those things, like even poorly received creative endeavors, sometimes like sudden, but inevitable, apparently jerk, 
even those can have huge value in them. And like that probably changed fog effects for everybody cinematically forever. So thanks that movie, like, come on, that's a, that's a big deal. So I just, I, I gotta say, uh, our friend Rona in the chat says, speaking as somebody who doesn't normally like fight scenes, I love these fight scenes. I gotta say, she's a, the fight scene in front of the porn sign on the on the ceiling that. is I. That's one of my favorite hand to hand fights I've ever seen in anything, and it's so cheesy and it's so seventies. It is so pastiche. It's so. Cheesy. And just last week we were fawning over the bathroom fight scene. Yeah, that one was also unbelievable. Oh, when when he when he stops the magazine from going back into the pistol, I I know it's in the trailer, but when I saw it like happen in the fight, I'm like, God, yes, that's exactly what I would want to do in such a situation. Well, and if we got so excited last week about this fight that we started talking about it in last week's episode. Yes, if you I go back, you will hear us talking about this because I go, and then there's this one part in the fight where Hakeem does a flip, and Spike just goes nice. And we were all like, yeah, I love that part. And then all at the same moment, we realized we were talking about the next week's episode and not the current episode. I think that we could probably consider that because for me, that's my favorite uh, showman of the episode. Your favorite John showman? Yeah, when he goes, I, nice. Like, I'm pretty sure that's that's got to, we got to all agree that that's the one. I think right? consensus mm-hmm. on that because yeah, even, the, even the music stops, right? Like <laughs> yeah. the music goes, bam. Nice. And <laughs> one of my show notes is Spike looks thrilled to, for that fight when he becomes Hakeem. Which is perfect because well, I, in the original series, he was jacked when he figured out this is, oh, this is going to be a fight. Like, I have to actually fight this guy. Okay, this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited for this. I love how he says, well, we can either do this the easy way or the fun way. <laughs> he doesn't say the hard way or the stupid yeah. way or the yeah. slow way or the dirty way or the sweaty way. He just says the fun way. And, but yeah, I mean, Jesse, what's the sweaty way? When you know what the sweaty way is, when you turn around and John Cho has a gun in your face, (laughs) like, how do you not just immediately lose it? Right? Like, there's, there was this, he's like, turns around, he's like, oh, like, this is bad. And, and I just, for me, John Cho, and, and this is obvious probably, right? But John Cho had to work for this whole thing to work. He is a master. He he is the perfect casting for this part, I think. It it he really seems to get that Spike is the essence of cool and he nails it. He's pitch perfect throughout the series. This piece in particular, the fight in front of the porn sign. It's just why is there a porn sign there? I know it's because we're in the district of of town that has brothels, etc., right? But it's like <laughs> The choices by the filmmakers to just go, let's just have it say porn while they're fighting. It's fight <laughs> porn. Like, I'm so here for the fight porn. And it it is well executed. They give us just enough of it to leave us wanting more, I feel like. And now to to the second half of this episode where Spike is trying to explain, like, look, dude, sometimes people from your past, you should just cut them out of your life, sometimes by killing them. And Jet's like, well, you know could but it's kind of too good for them like they don't really just deserve the easy way out and this that and the other thing so then we get spike goes again he goes and orders a freaking sniper rifle from the sushi man and i 
what did you guys think of this scene? This is one of a few like wide, broad daylight scenes that we get in the first couple of episodes. I'm going to start with our friend Steve, as he is our guest. Steve, talk to me about the scene where Spike is threatening Vicious as he walks out of the Sinshi factory. Aside from the fact that in today's dollars, that's a $5,000 rifle, and he didn't have... 1000 to give to his buddy Jet. Come on, man. I don't know what that translates to in Wulongs, but come on, man. But isn't that maybe why he didn't have the money to give to Jet? Cuz he bought a rifle already, sure. But he but then he just left it there. Like it would have been a great thing if he had sold the rifle to to buy the doll. Would have um, been way less cool. <laughs> It would have been way less cool, and Spike is the king of cool, so we can't have that. He, he left his phone there, too. He didn't give any Fs. He's, he's got to buy a whole new phone and plan now. Like, God, he's just, he's just got Wulongs <laughs> out it, the it's, ass. He's got to download all those apps again. Yeah, dude, that sucks. Like, why would you want to do that? Not not to mention you just bought this awesome gun with a, with a scope that's probably also really expensive. Get everybody's contact information again? Dude. Like, what about all the people that unfriended you on Facebook? How Dude. am I supposed to get their phone numbers so I can never use them again? Especially because you used to know a bunch of people in the syndicate, but now you have almost no friends. So it's like, dude, you got to make some serious phone calls. <laughs> yeah, man. I just, you know, what a waste. Well, as as for waste. the scene, uh, I've already expressed earlier that when, I mean, Vicious picks up the phone and has a conversation with Spike and... I, I don't know. It just felt off to me again. Re, 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 remix, but at the same time, I no, it didn't sit right with me. I didn't like the fact that they were just talking. I liked, of course, that Spike took the lessons that he learned throughout the episode of like it's like being mad at water for being wet, and you you know you can't be mad at vicious for being vicious, but vicious comes across as a spoiled pouty child. And it just takes me out of the episode. I feel like I'm watching somebody threaten King Joffrey, and <laughs> and I and I don't I don't care for it. And again, and that that leads into later episodes when I enjoy Vicious when he's just like cutting people to pieces, especially trained bodyguards and his and his uh, elder um, leaders. I don't want to spoil it. I imagine everyone's if you're here, you've seen it. Already spoiled it, I think, in the second episode. Maybe All right, so yeah, episode. so he's, he's, he's slicing apart his elder father and everyone who's also trained to just kill to protect them. And it, I just don't like the fact that someone who's such a pouty child can be so disciplined with a blade. I'm sure it exists, but that just makes me want him to go down even more, which yeah. that works. It, it, they, they succeeded. They created the villain that I <laughs> wanted to hate, but I I hate him for the wrong reasons. I don't hate him because he's vicious. I hate him because he's my spoiled, pretentious coworkers that I have to write poetry on my hammer so that at, while I'm at work, so I don't take my hammer and just. So I feel like that's a huge for me. That's a huge strength of the character because that makes it a little bit more relatable than. Oh, everybody has that psychopath at work that we're just waiting to, you know, murder everyone and burn the company to the ground. Because most people don't have that. <laughs> like, most people don't have an actual, like, Vicious is at work and he's crazy, steer clear, do not be near him. Like, I think most people don't have that person at work. I really hope that that's the case. But is Vicious in the OG, is he crazy? 
or is he just vicious? But that, but that's what I'm saying. So in the OG, he's got we we know that he has a history with Gren. Okay, so there has been a relationship at some point that Vicious cultivated. Now, maybe it was mostly wordless. We don't know. That was again all told through flashbacks. But I think as far as a villain goes, it's it's more relatable for me to go. Yeah, I know. Like you were saying, I know spoiled brats. I know people that are like, you know, man, that that guy's folks really set him up great. You know, he didn't have to work as hard as I did. Which, again, the comparison is the thief of joy. Try not to do it. Just just be happy with who you are because you're pretty cool. But like, if if you if you do that, and and I think that makes it relatable. I think looking at it that way and going, yeah, there are. For example, you could say there are people with more privilege than others, and it's easy to identify with understanding how that could upset you with a character. I'm not discounting what you're saying, Steve. I think it's totally valid. And hashtag you're making me blush. I (laughs) really like the, uh, I really personally, I love the dialogue between these two. When Spike is on the phone with him, it's so Western and noir. It's so steeped in cool. He's like, I mean, at the end, like we said, he leaves the whole gun there. He leaves his phone there. He pops the round that he could have fired through the hole he just made in the bulletproof glass to kill Vicious. He pops that round, puts it in his hand, and puts it in his pocket. He's going to carry that weight with him for the rest of the series, right? So, I just, I, I feel like, again, See, I'm not but, discounting but I what remember, you I didn't said. Say, I didn't say the hashtag not my spike. This is totally my spike. <laughs> right. And that's and something Spike would do. It is something Spike would do, but I feel like we have to give Vicious more than he's a guy that likes to kill people. And the fact that they gave him a different thing than you would have given him, again, I'm not hating on you for it, I think is perfectly valid. I feel like it is a thing that was nearly unavoidable because of, as we mentioned earlier, because of the... Uh, considerations that they have to take for different audiences or that we think they might have to take for different audiences i don't know because i've, I've never written an episode of television but fair i yeah. i i'm i'm i am guessing and i am i guess i would say that i'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt because i can see the love that goes through every episode so that's and i think i know that you're on the same page because i know that you as a creative person know what the creative act can feel like and putting it in front of people can feel Many ways. Um, well, I, I could I could disagree with that because once I I actually pulled a whole play from uh, from production because they they asked me to change one thing and I said no like it's I'm not being that that you don't like I'm, right. I'm writing a character um, and then two would be if we got a Jupiter Jazz episode do you think if the elders told Vicious you'll need winter clothing that this Vicious would have gone I am cold. <laughs> or, I, forgive me for not knowing exactly what he said, but it's possible. This, this vicious would have been like, "Oh, thank you. Do you have a coat in cashmere?" But like, come on, man. Now, if we're gonna if we're gonna stick to that point, and I will, just because I ha- I feel like I have a retort for it. Surprise. If if you were uh, putting your your play in front of Netflix and they owned the rights to it, for example, already, and they said. We don't care if you want to direct it. It's going to get made anyway. And if you don't want to direct it how we tell you, then you're not part of the project. And I'm not saying that it's apples to apples. I'm just saying I think that 
it is easy to argue that Netflix was always going to make a Cowboy Bebop live action adaptation because the money was too good to resist. The, the, the opportunity was too good to resist. I have to imagine that them having the original anime on their same platform now has increased the viewership on that anime like 10 or 20 fold, right? It has I think to. it's been pulled from Hulu, so yeah. Right, so you can only see it on Netflix now and the only people that are going to go binge the heck out of it are the people that are like, I don't want the live action, right? So it's, and, and that's not to, again, I love that the anime. was their plan all like, along. I love the anime and I'll watch it again constantly, probably once a year or so. But I, I feel like the the end of my point is Netflix was going to do this no matter what. So I feel like we are lucky to have gotten people that cared about what they were doing at all personally, because Netflix could have gone, we're going to do it this way and we don't care. We're going to install a showrunner sort of a thing, right? We've all heard of that, you know, studio interference and stuff. Now, to that point, though, Netflix used to be the place where great series went, where original series went, where cool new ideas were happening, and it's not happening anymore because they're canceling all our favorite shows. Hashtag save Cowboy Bebop. Give us hashtag more Bebop. And if you need to, cancel Netflix before we go well, see, any I, further. Actually, I, I think that that only that's why Not My Vicious became my thing was because I knew I wasn't getting more. Yes, exactly. And that's that's the key, is that everything they put into this series is like... There is some part of it that's difficult to analyze because there is pretty clearly more of this to be considered with it, right? We haven't seen it, but there is more of this to be considered with the discussion of this series. Josh, I feel like I should give you a chance to jump in here. Before we do get to our segments, is there anything about any part of this episode that you feel like we have to talk about that I have jumped over? Yes. Um, them retrieving Ein. And taking Ayn to Jet's daughter. And you haven't getting... mentioned Ayn this entire time. No. Uh, it's been a vicious hate fest, is what it has been for the most part, <laughs> which sorry. is fine. It has but... not. <laughs> um, but no, like, and Ayn is, speaking of perfect casting, <laughs> what a great, what a, who, which by the way, thanks, thanks Ayn for wishing me a happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> yeah, so uh, really quickly, the the corgi that play the two corgis that play Ein, uh Charlie and I apologize, I cannot remember the other corgi's I don't name. I remember either. Oh, it's uh Harry. They are on Twitter. Definitely go follow me at Sudden But. You will find them in my retweet feed. They I I said, "Hey, let's wish Josh a happy birthday." And Josh <laughs> was literally wished a happy birthday by the actual live action Ein. So, yeah, it was it was tight. It was tight. In um, the world but, of Sudden But Inevitable, that's I think cool. that's our yeah. best celebrity interaction so far. <laughs> Actually, if I may, Ricky D, can I bring up the time that you mentioned the name Alan Threedick to Alan Tudick's wife, and she clicked <laughs> like on it, and then immediately deleted that, and like that she had clicked like on it. But I, I think that might be my. Well, we did also talk with Adam Baldwin. This is a great show. You should be listening to Sudden But Inevitable, or you should be in our live chat every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Josh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, it's. I just kind of wanted to talk about that scene where Jet tries to take Ayn to his daughter, and uh, and it, like, it was kind of heartbreaking. Not only yeah. that he couldn't give her the dog, but there, there's dog taxes. You have to pay taxes to have a dog in the future. Hashtag not my future. Well, Hashtag you, not my future. If you rent currently, 
you have to basically pay dog taxes as it is. There is a an additional pet rent fee at most places that you rent. Yeah, Guys, but all you have to do is it's a support animal. Dude, really. yeah. Tre- Trev has been my emotional support animal for 10 years. I haven't paid a I've... dime in pet deposit or rent. Correct. I have a toddler. They don't they don't insure that. So I Oh, okay. Well, all I my don't. Stuff is just broken. <laughs> all my stuff is Josh just broken. Josh was talking about the moment with Jet and his daughter, and I really found that scene to be heartbreaking. Because, like, a yes. real major issue in society is dads that don't show up. And then Jet is, like, legitimately trying to be a part of his daughter's life. He's busting his ass to get this doll that all the little girls want. He isn't able to get it, so he brings her the world's cutest corgi. And mom is still just kind of like, get out of here. And she's shooing him away from her daughter. And, like, I know that's not a major plot point for Cowboy Bebop, but it is a... It's a difficult situation to really. Well, be- it gives you a little bit more motivation for Jet. You you give you you see a little bit more of Jet's backstory and see why he's, you know, doing what he's doing. And I mean, the fact that a dude that he worked with is now with his ex-wife and raising his kid. I mean, you, you feel for the guy. You know, like it's it's tough to like watch that happen and to see that Jet's in this place not by choice. But but out of necessity, and I don't think he really wanted to be a cowboy. I think he wanted to continue to be a cop and and you know do the do the de- detective work and stuff like that. So would see his daughter every night or you know whenever he could. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's really like like Ricky Ricky was saying. It's really heartbreaking not only because he can't see his daughter, but because like everything that has led up to that has been just devastating for that guy. And I feel for him. It sucks. Well, and we did see Jet's ex in the original series, right? But for me, for them to place Jet's ex in in such a close yet distant way in this series is so much more, you know, heartstring pulley, like Ricky D was saying. It's like, man, that really makes that suck. Because mm-hmm. it just there's so many layers of suck on it, and and it it's, it's not cool either. Mean, <laughs> yeah. It's it's there are several unpleasant adjectives about this. Now, you guys, when he goes, open your present, sweetheart, and she opens the box, and it immediately the edit makes it looks like she's opening Spike's sniper rifle case. That's one of my favorite transitions <laughs> in the whole series, personally. It reminded me of a little movie called Highlander from 1986 that had amazing transitions in it as well. But that was this was favorite movie, right? Because he goes, he open your movie. present, sweetie, and you open this giant sniper rifle. And it was funny because Spike had said, I need to order a package. So he goes, open your present, sweetie, and then we get this gun. Then we meet the dog. Real quick thing. Real quick thing. <laughs> is the Ion Ein's name tag a letter, a, a number one? Like, because it, it looks like the, that scene says E1N. In that, well, Ein is German for one. Right. But did they put the one there because it's like this is the dog's serial number is E1N, and we're pronouncing it as Ein because it looks like Ein? So is it is it you know a reference to Ein being a data dog sort of a thing that it was an interesting thing that I I think uh, the Bebop Beat podcast brought up when the series first dropped they were like okay that's definitely a one and not an I What's yeah I'm looking on? at the screen right now I'm, and I can confirm a hundred percent that is a one yeah I I think it might be so it like 
a reference to the fact that maybe Ayn was partially, yeah, Ayn was maybe partially engineered, E1N. I, I like it. I like it. It's very, um, that's funny, though, that the subtitles say E-I-N. That's really well, funny. She's saying Oh, that's, yeah. that's she's right. She's reading she it does, out loud. She does read yeah. it out loud. And she's a child, so it's okay for her to be wrong. That makes sense. Um, our friend Callie D says, I thought it was a one until she read out Ayn. I think it is a one, and then that, that just happened. Our friend Angelus said there can be only one, which is how we know our friend Angelus is cool. We already knew that. I just, it's good to reiterate. I'm things. rolling my um, eyes. And I do, or, or they're just saying. That's what I was going to say. I, I believe there's a podcast coming out this week of a, a certain other Highlander themed podcast that does Highlander scene by scene. And this, this week's podcast will be the transition of Connor sharpening his sword and looking into the fish tank and transferring us yes. back into Scotland. Go check out another time at cloud it is one of my another new favorite podcasts and you are going to want to be subscribed to that before too long because there is an upcoming guest appearance by yours truly and i had oh, so much and, fun and yours truly there are multiple upcoming guest appearances by yours as is truly's on the screens <laughs> my friends i would like to say good night to our friend mal just to mess with kedco from canada <laughs> Get wrecked, dude. Like, I, I'm so happy that you were here, Mal. Thank you for spending some time with us. And I hope you sleep really Follow well. Follow me on Twitter, I hope tomorrow's go. great for you. So. <laughs> Good night, Mal. Get from wrecked. Mal. Let's give our friend Steve an opportunity to bring up anything that he feels like we have to discuss about this episode that we haven't up to this point before we jump into our segments, my friends. Let me let me hit my show notes. Uh, Brainless fleck of mediocrity, I thought was a, a great uh, insult. Uh, Jet having a daughter is probably my favorite change from the story because, sure, in the original, him being set up and sent to prison cost him his badge and his career and an arm and a leg and a nice fun scar on his face but in this one he loses his daughter for at least five years and then has to work his way back into it and that that gives us something else to root for Uh, this was spoiled it was spoiled for me the fact that he had a family before the series even dropped someone on reddit's like i read the script oh it's such garbage they have they use F-bombs all the time, and Jet has a family. Like, There was, a, if I'm not mistaken, I believe his family was in one of the first trailers as well. So it was sort of one of those, like, if I, if I could go back in time and know nothing about the series before I saw the first episode, I agree, maybe I would have preferred to not have that spoiled. But, I mean, the grand but scheme I, of things, did it ruin anything for me? No. It didn't ruin anything for me, correct. Like, like I thought at, at, at first, like, oh, are they going to be doing a thing where he is going home every night and they're parking the bebop on in their in their back porch because he's got a family no like they're he lost his family because of the plot that we already knew and i thought that was a a nice little change to give it some character drive want a little more gravity that he is choosing this new family you know i this is what i am coming from and this is how i choose to be now i'm just going to spend time with cowboys and jazz because yeah, it's not easier, but it hurts less. So, man, that's that's rough. And I feel like the blues and and the jazz is really the tie that we have to Jet, right? Because he's been he's been wailing the blues since the day he was born, and the doctor smacked his bottom. So I just I, I feel like if you guys don't have any other things that you feel like we have to talk about, I feel like we're ready to jump into our segments this week. We might get out of here 
in under two hours, but there's no way to know. Maybe we'll just make it take forever. Josh, my friend, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and cue up the shot of the show for me, please. Shot of the show, as you know, is where we share our favorite pictures of John Cho. I couldn't help myself. I had to go for the rhyme. What it actually is is where we share our favorite moments from this week's episodes, visually the moments that now live rent-free in our heads. Let's go ahead and stick with the pattern. We'll have our friend Steve go first. Josh, if you wouldn't mind bringing up Steve's shot of the show. And uh, Steve, after Josh gives us the time code on that, go ahead and talk about it for us, my friend. Uh, This shot comes at the 19 minute and 45 second mark. Um, it is a PG-13 shot, so kids beware. <laughs> Boobs. <laughs> I, what I told Jesse about this this afternoon, because I was, I was at work and I wasn't going to make it home in time to find out exactly when it was, but then I rewatched it right before we got I'm like, oh, that's right. It's in front of the porn sign. Yeah, somebody had to pick this one. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just remembering like, oh, that's right. This is the scene where he he's fighting and he and he is hanging from the roof. And that reminded me of me because I, I've grown up uh, in between my stints as a background actor and a corpsman. I was also a tree trimmer for a long time. And there have been many times when I've been just stuck in the tree waiting for something to happen. And I decided to just hang myself upside down and, and look at the world from a different perspective. So when I saw this, I'm like, oh, look. That's me doing me things. Granted, I never did smoke a cigarette while I was hanging upside down because trees are, spoiler alert, flammable. <laughs> so I never did that. Uh, but I was like, oh, this is, this is a good, it's, a, it's a good time to reflect even when you're about to die. So Steve, would you say that left stint there was your stint as a corpsman and then that right stint is your, is your stint as a tree trimmer? It's also my current stint as a married man, because that's exactly where I like to be. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Sudden But Inevitable is a PG-13 show. Just like Josh was saying, we don't we don't go quite all the way to R on this episode. If you would like to subscribe to the Sudden But Inevitable OnlyFans, it's called Only Vanilla Husbands. I'm totally playing. John Cho is stuck hanging upside down. And and yeah, he's chilling. He's totally chilling in the scene. John Cho plays this cool. This is a scene that could very easily be far too cheesy because of what it is. But John Cho gives it the respect, I guess is the word, like just having him there and not freaking out right about his surroundings, shall we say. He's just he's playing it cool. I like the pick. I like the pick. Josh, if you don't mind, bring up Ricky D's shot and Ricky D's time code. And this one comes at the 16 minute and three second mark. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier. Uh, This is the big fight scene for the episode. Uh, It's awesome, I guess. Uh, They end up swinging the giant like 10 foot pipe at each other. All of the combat is amazing. Uh, And also just that big neon porn sign. That's just like, it's getting you ready for the fight it's just it's something that's activating parts of your brain and it's getting you ready for some excitement yes very transporter too with the pipe mm-hmm. i thought we just need all we needed was the, the come, come, yeah the come morpheus move the, the motion <laughs> well and you get the i like to call this a ninja turtles water tower in the background <laughs> yes. yes um 
because of <laughs> again, I'm mostly set. a child of the '80s and '90s. Uh, but I, you know, we've got the the fight with the pipes. This is where we get the flips. This is where Hakim gets to be Hakim, and I I really like that the way that it all plays out actually ends up with Spike on his back. Like we said, it's not that Spike gets overmatched; it's that. You know, Spike's connections, much like everyone else in this show, the people that they know are the problems that they have. Which, by the way, uh, Callie, Callie Nelly, the man that plays um, Hakeem, is uh, a stuntman for, like, most of our favorite movies. Oh, yeah? Like, oh, he does a lot of stunts cool. for, for things, so... I thought that was a, also uh, shredded as hell. He is motivating. hella shredding. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah, yeah. he's... he's and the man yep. can wear a coat, if I may. <laughs> can we actually? Can we look at that coat? Was that coat brown that he was wearing? I just oh, is it? Your, got, your coat's got kind of a brownish tint to it. Yeah. All right, uh, Josh, go ahead with your shot of the show, my friend. My shot is at the forty-two minute and twenty-seven second mark. I actually had a hard time picking my shot this week, but I eventually landed on this one. Because it's badass, and I always like seeing Draco Malfoy get punked. And so anytime <laughs> I see Vicious get punked, which he does, the you know I, I love how Spike is like, you still got bulletproof glass on those windows? Huh, let's test it out. See and, it it, works. and it just chips that little tiny piece of glass away. And my just seeing the, the piece of glass hit him in the face is the best part. It took me a minute to like get that perfect shot because it was oh i bet i I wanted the glass to be right right there oh yeah yeah just just take that karma this actually also reminded me of our former guest adam baldwin's part in the movie independence day is that glass bulletproof no sir <laughs> That's Except in the opposite direction here, yes, it is. It's quite bulletproof because it just beasted Man. a fifty caliber shell like it was nothing. Like uh, I, I, this, this not- bullet, this bullet was like six inches long, and <laughs> nothing happened when it hit the window. It just disintegrated. So that's some serious window going on right there. Yeah. But and how did I not I notice that Adam Baldwin was in an Independence Day? What? what oh, the- you didn't know? He's been in- no. He's been in everything. I, I didn't he was realize that he was that guy. That was yeah. like. That was- what about like favorite scene, sir? Can you shoot the pop can now? Like, man, he was in <laughs> Full Metal Jacket. He's in Predator too. Yeah, he's been in a lot. I knew he of... was in Full Metal Jacket, but damn. Yeah, yeah. I still have his phone number. I'll hit him up. <laughs> there's there's an episode of Sudden but Inevitable called Jane's Pod. Go check it out in the back history feed. Josh, my friend, if you don't mind, please share with me uh, my time code and my shot. Yes, your time code is at the very beginning. It's at the 29, well, I guess not the very beginning, but the 29 minute and 54 second mark. Buy them. Ah, yes, just after the title card. So this is the (laughs) aforementioned Sushiman, who there is one particular shot in which he tilts his head forward with his very reflective glasses on at night. And the red lights of the district that he is in, not really selling sushi, just catch the middle of his glasses in such a way that it is deeply sinister and, like, this is the unmasking of this character, right? Yes, he's an old man. Yes, he's probably mostly harmless. He's also a weapons dealer and definitely, definitely works for the syndicate. So there is an amount of danger with this guy, 
even though he's just a fake sushi vendor in more ways than one. I really dig this. To me, this feels like a shot from an anime, not a shot from this anime, but it feels like it came straight out of an anime, and it is executed masterfully. It looks to be done practically. I believe I can see red light hitting his skin on the other side of that lens. So I love this shot. Surprise, you guys, I didn't pick a silhouette this week. How crazy is that? Josh, my friend, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and hit the bumper for our next weekly segment, which I like to call No Finer One-Liner. No Finer One-Liner, as you may have deduced, is where we share our favorite lines of dialogue from a given week. Now, my friend Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D is a bit notorious for sharing a longer clip than the rest of us. You may have noticed the podcast version of Ricky D's clip last week considerably shorter than his live show version of it, mostly just for brevity, because I've seen some reviews recently that make me think that people don't like when our show is two hours plus. So, you know, you have full permission to cut any of my audio to trim these up a little bit. Yeah, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, and emperors in the chat. Ricky D has been muted from all future episodes. Josh, my friend, if you don't mind... Please share our guest Steve's pick for No Finer One-Liner this week. What the hell are you doing? Waiting for you to pull me back up. Classic. I love the music. It's it's like a 1950s, like... Yes. Pleasantville music there almost, right? That's exactly like, what I was thinking. And that's why I let it, it was a little bit longer because I wanted that music to play in the background because it's just so perfect for that what made you? What made you pick this, Steve? Uh, just aside from the fact that it, I feel like it's something that I would say while stuck suspended from a tree or from a roof. Um, that's number one. Number two is that to carry on with what we talked about, you know, over the Twitter sphere, is that despite rewatching Bebop the anime with you fellas, and re- and watching this new one, I still did not fall off the cigarette wagon. Yeah, and even though this episode made me want to, because I will say when I did smoke cigarettes, it wasn't because I got a nicotine rush or because I was addicted to it. It's because I was a victimized teenager and I wanted to be cool and. Spike looks so cool smoking a cigarette upside down. I'm like, God, I could be that cool again. But yeah, no, I, I kept it. there's, I mean, the, Sudden But Inevitable is an explicit show. If you, if you listen to us on a podcatcher, you see that little E next to every episode. So we're, we're going to talk about smoking for a second. Um, we've talked about is it that, before. Is that considered explicit now? It is, no, but my point it's, is it's like, on the if, Netflix if, there's a, if there's a kid here, I don't want them to be like, you know, if you're a kid, you shouldn't be listening or watching at all. But uh, that's all I'm I was old. trying to point out. But like <laughs> smoking, um, unfortunately, does make you look cooler. And that is a simple fact. There's nothing that can be done about it. it I wish it weren't that way because smoking is really bad for you. Nobody should smoke. Um, I, I don't want to step on your glory, Sinisera. It's one of those things like... It's an impossibly hard thing to do, and I'm very proud of you, and I'm glad to hear that we haven't pushed you <laughs> over the edge with our with our little podcast that sometimes we've had episode discussion well not whole episodes, but we've had little discussions that dwelt on the nicotine. So I still enjoy a cigar now and again, but I'm not doing a pack a day like I used to. Right. So. Right. It's it's a it's a a choice. Now, if you wouldn't mind, Josh, please share with us Ricky D's clip for this week. Ricky D, is this one seven minutes long? Uh- he also said it's going to cost me more woos in retail. 
barely 45 G's in a kitty. Means we'll be choosing between food and fuel. You could sell your arm. You could put my fist up your ass. A little bit more brief, a little briefer. Uh, this was just a really nice demonstration of the relationship between Jet and Spike and how Jet's lamenting that I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm struggling with that. I'm doing whatever. And Spike just makes the friendly suggestion like, well, you can sell your arm. That would solve some problems. And it's, <laughs> it's obviously a non-solution, but it's, it's just indicative of their relationship. And I really like that little segment. Yeah, it's contentious without being mean-spirited. It's like, it's it's broy. That's what it's... I intend all of my jokes to be. Sometimes they get a little <laughs> bit uh, a little bit more abrasive, but I'm always intending to just be busting balls and having fun. I think it's your, if I may, my friend, I think it's your delivery. Sometimes it's just so deadpan that it's like, we can't, there's, and I, I, I appreciate and love you to the moon and back. The end of this scene, <laughs> when he goes, I can shove my fist up your ass. Like, well, that'll solve some, that'll feel good. Will it really solve any problems? And like, that's something that I would say to someone that threatened to put my fist on my, their fist on my ass. And just, I mean, to throw it all back to our first episode of this season, when we had our friend Robert from the science fiction remnant podcast on, he was talking about how he initially was nervous when they announced John Cho as Spike, because he's like, really the Harold and Kumar guy. This is a line that comes out of Harold and Kumar delivered mm -hmm. in a way that makes it fit cowboy bebop. I don't understand how they did that. I am deeply impressed. Excellent, excellent point, Steve. Thank you. Because I, I have this reaction a lot at work because a lot of people don't wear knee pads when they're at work, and I do because I'm 33 and I'm, you know, I'd like to keep my knees working the way they're supposed to. And I get a lot of the jokes that you would think that would come along. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Vicky is so happy right now. Yeah, my response is is pretty. I, I like it. I think my response is pretty genius, and I don't mean to toot my own horn, but here we go. But it's you know, it's like, oh, you need your knee pads for that. And it's like, no, I don't need to be on the ground that long. <laughs> and I get I, I get the same look every time. To imply that you're very very good at at what you do, you're out of you're all out of bubble gum, so to speak. Josh, <laughs> quickly save us, my friend. Play the next dialogue clip. Yeah, look at him. He's staring at the camera like he wants to be seen. Jesus. You're right. Wow. Say it again. What? Say what you just said. What, that you're right? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> I, just, I just needed to hear it one more time, you know, to ceremonialize it. Mm. God. <laughs> so that's, that's my line because... That's anytime Jesse ever says that I'm right about something, that's exactly what I do. I go, what? And, and do I again, happen to have been recording that <laughs> this kind of, uh, furthers Ricky's point too. Just their, their relationship is so much fun. Like for us to watch it for them in the moment, like <laughs> if this was real life, then for them in the moment, you know, I'm sure jet would be annoyed constantly. And spike would just like be like, well, I'm, kind of dead anyway so i don't really give a shit about anything you know but us watching it and seeing that dynamic kind of play out is is wonderful and it gives that moment for jet to go okay i guess everything doesn't have to be like super serious all right what what's what are their options like let's yeah let's make <laughs> some money like it felt realistic in that way like sometimes you have to break people down to get them to agree with you like if you want them to watch say i don't know firefly or an anime they've never seen before like you got to work on them and it takes some time i like that it feels true to life i i it's i think that's an excellent pick if you don't mind josh play the last clip that we have my friend 
Okay, that's a good deal. You guys, you guys get some kale, and I go away for the piece of shit that I am. We've got to do something about your self-esteem, okay? Yeah, I know. I, it's like they're already so familiar with each other. Hakeem's, okay, yeah, I know. Like, I, my bad. I, I'm working on it already. Now, the end of that clip is he does get shot in the head and dies immediately. So, kale would be, you know, the 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 slang for cash. You know, money. You guys get so some cheap. some money. It's the cheapest vegetable there was before it became famous. Well, that was before exactly, and that goes back to how they were talking about the sea rat in the original series and how that had some parallels with lobster and how lobster used to be cheap before people decided it was a delicacy. It's a freaking bug that lives in the mud, you guys. <laughs> but yeah, this 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 line is just. I, I really, again, it's one of those lines that almost feels like it could have fit in Harold and Kumar, but like the true earnest nature with which he says, and I go away for the piece of shit that I am. Like <laughs> he really hates himself and it comes yeah. across really impressively well for a character that doesn't get a lot of um, character time, right? He gets to do a lot of cool stuff, but he doesn't have a lot of time to speak. I just I think it just was very humanizing and I I really really like that moment and you know of course he gets shot after that cuz the ISSP doesn't want to pay the bounty so that's how it goes. And do you think that was because the rich folks had already paid the bounty and the cops wanted to keep it instead of passing it on to the bounty hunters? The cops didn't want the rich folks to lose faith in what they do. So uh, gentlemen, we have one more thing to do before we wrap this up. Angelus Seems to be learning how our show works, my friends. We have one more thing to do before we wrap this up and get out of here, you guys. Let's give this episode a rating out of 10. I have mentioned before, I feel like it's a little bit difficult to do just because it is a pretty heavily serialized story and I am in love with all parts of it, but I'm going to give I'm gonna give it a real attempt. So let's stick with the pattern. Steve, let's have you go first. As guest, what do you give this episode out of 10? As much as I enjoy the first appearance of Ayn, uh, it was not my. It wasn't my most entertained episode of the series. It and accumulating all ten, so I'll give I'll give it a seven point five. I have taken your rating down, and I am going to do math if I remember to add the other two ratings to it. Ricky D, my friend, what have you got this week? Uh, you know, I said last week I feel like all of my ratings going to sit right around eight, and I'm going to go eight point five this week. You know, I'm going to give it a small boost for boobies, kung fu fighting, and corgi butts. So that'll bump me yeah. from 8 up to an 8.5. Ooh, I forgot about the corgi butts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. But that's you, a list you, you that's difficult cover. to argue with. Uh, Josh, my friend, I feel like I just saw you change your your list as as Ricky was was mentioning that. What do you got for your rating? Actually, I actually changed my rating uh, halfway through this episode when I realized that Faye wasn't in the episode. I was like, wait a minute, my favorite new character is not even in this episode. So originally my rating was a seven. It's now a six point five. I got to drop it down to point five because I just it's a it's fine. Listen, I'm not a dog person, obviously. I have a cat that is wonderful, and I love her. Um, and although Ayn is super cute and corgis are great, I just don't care that much, you know? Cause, cat person. Because I'm a cat person, and, Man. you know, you know how it is. Um, but then, again, just Faye not being in it, and, you know. I'm disgusted. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. That's fine. <laughs> I could see that because it 
I sort of also didn't remember it until we mentioned it, and I do love Daniela Pineda's face. She is deeply impressive. Now, I'm gonna go with like I. There were episodes of the anime that she wasn't in, and they gave it. They gave her to us right away in this one, and they did wonderfully with her character. So I'm, I won't hold that against this episode. I for me, this episode was actually like where I knew I was gonna be totally down with all of the new stuff, right? Because the first two episodes are really, really reference heavy and they're very remixed from other episodes that we've already seen. And there's a lot, there's not a ton of original in there for the series. I love them. But this one for me is where it goes, okay, this is way different than the Bebop that I know because Spike just threatened Vicious. Like uh, he shot a 50 cal rifle at him. Uh, this the the dog is here we've already had the hakeem thing going on like there's a daughter there's a family oh my gosh there's so much new stuff but it has all of the best pieces of stray dog strut that i love so so much and it has some of the music from the movie you guys this episode is really high for me this is a nine for me i can't help myself i'm probably gonna get accused of being a fanboy i openly admitted that at the start of this season and i'm totally good with it if you want to leave a review about it get wrecked so that gives us a 31.5 out of 40 this week which is a 78.7 percent. i feel that's respectable i feel like it's honest it's not overrated i don't think i feel like we landed at a pretty reasonable number my friends those are the grades i'm getting my degree with that's so. I c's get degrees so i think <laughs> that let's go ahead and give our friend steve an opportunity to tell the good folks out there in podcast land and in the live chat if the good folks want to get more steve in their life what's the best way for them to do that she wants some of these. And these are just the ones that I have up here. He's holding up paintings because... of very cool spaceships doing cool things. Yeah. For those of you And this is just the paintings. I have the I have the wooden ones too. Um as he chucks uh, well, them to the <laughs> side. <laughs> this one's half off. <laughs> before before I do that, I would like to say thank you for having me. Um it's going to be the last time that I get to be had. Uh, as well, I want, might even be in the live chat for some time because anyone who was listening last night and now you'll, you folks will know, I'll be restarting night school. So it was nice to be here last night and tonight. See all your wonderful faces. Maybe I'll come screeching into the chat at the very end for ratings <laughs> and 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 uh, and quotes. But not if Ricky D I has anything to say about it. I will. Oh, you would try to, you're really going to try. No, Ricky, we need to keep this over two hours so I can get home uh, on time. Ricky, so long, the truncator D is what they call him. Um, but to answer Jesse's inquiry, uh, my handle is right here on the screen. Sincera underscore SJB. And that leads you to my Instagram where most of the pictures of my work is. And that'll lead you to my Etsy page as well. And when I come back, after my final semester in solitude, I hope to have a new announcement about where my wood shop and other business opportunities will be taking me. But I'm not going to spoil it just yet. You have to sit in suspense. Sitting in suspense is something that we have done before here at Sudden But Inevitable. Not for long, but it has happened for brief spurts throughout our day. I believe it has been recorded somewhere in our record. I'm not sure. Well, we're all still waiting for Firefly Season 2 in suspense. So uh, they're just I'm not even going to open that, but there's another one of those articles and YouTube videos out where they're like, no, for real, we have a source. And I'm like, mm -hmm, okay, whatever. Oh, I, I watched that the other day. I'm like, no, you so don't. Lame. Shut yeah. up. Ricky Stop D me. from Best Flicks with Ricky D. As your name would imply, please tell us about Best Flicks. Yeah, uh, Best Flicks is the other podcast that I do. 
Uh, run it mostly by myself. I have I like to try and keep guests in every week. I've got one guy that comes with me almost every week, who's Ryan. Uh, we recently reviewed Matrix Resurrections with Josh here. Uh, we also did the big new movie on Netflix, Don't Look Up. It's kind of the weird political satire kind of thing. It was a lot of fun. So check out Best Flick. That's such a good movie. It was a really good movie. It's heavily satirical. It's got some flaws, but it has a really <laughs> interesting message. So good. But you know that it was directed by uh it was directed by the guy from Parks and Rec. Um, Adam uh Adam McKay. Oh, okay. Adam McKay. Yeah. Ricky, do you want to review uh Highlander? No, I Highlander Josh, two? friend before we make this into a three hour episode, please tell the good folks the best way for them to get more Josh in their days. I'm you know, right now I'm just kinda doing Quest Me and SBI at the moment. Um Marvel Can of Madness is trying to figure their stuff out. We're doing some new times, new days, um, and maybe even just a whole new show. We started talking about it last night. So that's a, that's a little in the works. But for now, I'm I'm just on Quest to Me and SBI, which is Thursdays at 7.30 Mountain Time and Friday at 8.30 Mountain Time at this very place that you're watching. If you're live, if you're listening, um, search just search Quest Me on iTunes, Spotify, um, anything you listen to podcasts on, and you'll find us. And then if you want to find me on Twitter, at Twist My Arm Cast, and then Facebook, Instagram, all that. Just search Twist My Arm Podcast. That's so many different things. <laughs> but it was very well done and succinctly put, if I may. Now, if for Thanks. whatever reason you would you need more of me, follow me on Twitter at SuddenButt. Go to Instagram, follow me at SuddenButInevitablePodcast. Check out my guest appearances on shows like Cheap Seat. They review the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Cheap Seat Reviews, uh, Green Shirt, A Newbie's Trek Through the Next Generation. I've never seen Star Trek. Uh, as I mentioned before, upcoming guest appearances by both me and Steve on Another Time McCloud. And there are just, I, I can't tell you how much I love the people in our live chat. I know that I've been being a little facetious with our with our review that we got earlier, but you guys, you really are the glue that holds the bricks of the show together. So thank you for being here with us as you are every week. I want to say thank you to Angelus. I want to say thank you to Callie, Rona. I want to say thank you to our friend Mal, who was here, our friend Nikki, who was here. There were so many supportive people in our chat tonight, and I just got to say thank you. I also want to say thank you to the you three gentlemen on the screen with me. Josh, you've been friends with me forever, and I'm so glad that we are back to doing podcasts every week. Ricky D, thank you for coming with. Steve, I'm glad that we could get you in before you are on your way out, and I know that you know that you will be back. Let's go ahead and sign off for the evening, gentlemen. Let's do the order of Steve, Ricky, Josh, myself. So for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been Jesse. Steve, this is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. And I'm Josh. See you, legally sanctioned interplanetary vigilante. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them.
Please follow me. Port.